everyone, it is your boy Jobatance here on a very special surprise Friday afternoon little edition of, I wonder if you guys can guess what it is. We're doing a little live Friday afternoon edition of Form Decor. Uh, and when who do we do Form Decor with? It can only be one of two people. It could be either Jobatance. Well, no, it's always Jobatance. It could be Evan Ayers or... One, is it Taylor T. Latte Boy? Taylor T. Latte Boy, are you there? <coughs> yes, that is me. It is me, Taylor T. Latte Boy. T- Taylor the Latte Boy is here. We've just we've just recorded an episode of uh, Rulaska Thoughts. And now I said, let's get, you know, because I have a very busy week coming up. So I was like, you know what? Let's kill two birds with one stone. Now don't we also do... Uh, a little bit of uh, form decor. We'll do form decor here live on the air with our favorite people, the listeners of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Now, tell you a lot, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if mm-hmm. you listened to this form decor lounge I did the other day with uh, one uh, Jay Ellis. Um, no, yeah, I haven't. Oh, I didn't do. I, oh, I didn't do form decor. I did a Rulaska thoughts with him. I'm sorry. I did Rulaska thoughts with Jay Ellis. And oh, it, okay. went, it went really, yeah, really no, well. I haven't listened to it yet. But was he the one that told me? Who's the one that told me that Sally Jesse Raphael? Do you know her? Yes. She's a, I'm a huge, child of the 80s. Of course I know who Sally Jesse Raphael is. She's a huge RuPaul's Drag Race fan. I feel like she has guest judged before. I don't know if she has or not, but I know she's a gigantic fan. I emailed her to come on a show. Did you really? She hasn't emailed back. No, well, but you know what? I, not asking is a guaranteed no. True. No, you know, I was talking to a friend. She gets all these good guests on her show, and mm-hmm. I was talking about uh, something. You else. were talking to Oprah. I was talking to Oprah, and I said, "Listen, Oprah, I don't know how you get these good guests. I don't get any shit. I get shitty guests. Well, I get great guests like Garrett Schlichty and Jake Dupree. But I'm just saying, like, I get I don't get any of the drag people, you know, famous people." And she goes, do you think I only asked once for any of my guests? I got to keep bugging them. So maybe I'll wait a couple of weeks and then just ask Sally Jesse Raphael again. Have I you also- confirmed that she is a big Drag Race fan? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So someone told me, and then I went to her Twitter feed, and she that's all she does is tweet about RuPaul's Drag Race. Really? Yeah, and then I have a mutual friend with Kumail Nanjani. So okay. I don't want him. I think he's a tough get. But I, I bet you I'm going to work on trying to get this Emily Gordon on the show, his wife. Okay, she, she's a big one. I'd love to talk. Look, I'd like to talk to famous people or successful people or anybody who likes to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. Maybe, well, maybe she likes Evans it. in the last category. True, 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 true. So anyway, uh, so that's what's going on here. But I've been having this thing, Taylor. I'm going to tell you something. I'm I'm dealing with it well, but it's very LA. But like people, there's the LA no, and what they do, they just ignore you. They just don't respond. They don't say no. They just don't respond. Like, uh, I'm going to talk about it right now because um, uh, I don't think it's going to happen, you know. But I don't even, I don't even have to, did I tell you about Earwolf? No. So somebody that works at the podcasting network Earwolf reached out to me and they said, listen, everyone talks to my world. Listen, we think you would be great at Earwolf. We're looking for a producer. We think you should submit for this producer position at Earwolf. I go, huh? 
And I know, I know some, I know uh, these two people who have a show on Earwolf. I won't say who they are. And I mm-hmm. messaged both of them, but the guy never responds. I hate that guy. But the girl, she goes, "Oh, you know, it's actually guy. They have a show on Earwolf. Is it a fun place to work? Is it a good place to work?" And um, and she goes, "Yeah, it's a great place to work." She goes, "I'll tell you what. Send me your resume, and I'll personally hand it in." So I send her my resume. I'm gonna tell you, my resume looks so good. I thought it looked great. Mm-hmm. Here's here's my question to you though, because have you hired people, Taylor? Yes. Okay. I should send you the resume I sent. Okay. So the, it was it was from a I I've made the I made the resume a long time ago, but I just tailored it to this, so to speak. Okay. And so I really focus on my podcasting successes because it was it was it's for a podcasting network for producer like things that I do like RuPaul's Drag Race recap and you know it produced Sonia Walger's bookish podcast you know mm-hmm. and um there's something else i produced too i don't remember what it is and um that was in the main body then underneath i put my undergrad prep stuff do you think it's appropriate yeah, yeah kind of i mean i would say some of your writing experience would probably be more would probably be more appropriate some of your comedy writing that. and stuff like that i didn't even think about that but then there's a sidebar Right, that there was on this template, and on the sidebar was like extraneous stuff that you could put. Right, and so I put some things like, for instance, I used to work at the Playboy Mansion. I mentioned that, and um, I mentioned that. Um, uh, I mentioned actually more because I I couldn't go into detail on the main body, so I went into more detail about RuPaul's Drag Race recap. Mm-hmm. And then I did say one. So I said so. The closest thing I came to a joke. Was I said I work at I worked at the Playboy because it was like I put a, a topic called things I talk about at cocktail parties, right? Uh, okay. And I put I worked at the Playboy Mansion. I have stories. That's the closest thing I came to a joke. But then there were other things too that were more interesting, you know. Um, but that was the closest thing to a joke. But like, but look, here's the deal though. You're talking about hiring for a creative. I mean, uh, uh, you know, a healthcare professional. This is a like one of my positions was going to be to go like scout comedy, okay? So like I think there was a little more leeway to be. I wasn't like unprofessionally funny. Like I didn't put like just fantastic jokes in there. You know, (laughs) that was the closest thing that I came to a joke was like I worked at the Playboy Mansion and I have stories. So in the application where it said sex, you didn't say yes, please. No, no. And in fact, what I find really odd is so it the so Earwolf is a subsidiary of a really big company called uh, EW Scripts, which is a media company. So it was a yeah. very, it was a very formal application process, right? And I didn't do any jokes there. The resume was in there, but there no jokes. But they had like we're an equal opportunity, we're an equal employment opportunity. Something about you had to read this thing and agree to it, and then you went continue, and it went to its own page and it asked, "Are you Latino?" And here's what Latino means. It had all this list, yes or no, and then I pressed yes, and I went next, and then it said, "If you didn't say yes." Which of these are you? And it was every other race. So they 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 spe- they specified Latino. So I had seen that as a good sign. You that know? seems pretty common anymore. I've seen that a lot on applications and and surveys that I filled out and stuff like that. Uh huh. So I don't know that that's I don't know that it's a bad thing, but I don't know that it's a good thing either. Um. Yeah. So I thought that was a promising thing, but then I just. 
I think it's weird that I, I mean, I got an email saying, just confirming this is your email address. Thank you for applying. And then just nothing. How long ago was that? It'll be two weeks on Monday. That's nothing. Oh, really? Yeah, that's nothing. When we hire people, it can be up to, I have done interviews and then decided on somebody a month, a month and a half after, and they have submitted the resume to our human resources department a month or two before. Oh, good. Because you know what? To be honest with you, conveniently, it would be great if I got hired after RuPaul's Drag Race was done. Yeah. So I don't know. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep, everyone, let's have positive energy. It would be a fun job to have. You know, I think. And look, I look, I look at the at the job applic- at the requirements or not requirements, but like the job responsibilities. Taylor, it had my name literally written on it. It said Joe Batanz. That was the position. <laughs> I was applying for the position of Joe Batanz. So. Um, someone pointed out that Earwolf does funny shows. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm very curious. And here, oh, so the other thing I was getting at was, uh, I submitted the the resume to Erin, and she never responded. Not like not even like, oh, great, thanks, I got it, or I'll do something with it, or just no response. Well, the, and I, I don't want to. I don't know her that well. Like, I do you think you should should have submitted it with the picture of no. you working at the Playboy Mansion in your bunny costume, though? <laughs> Yes, I should have done that. I wasn't. No, I, what I did at the play. Do we know about this, Taylor? Do you know about the Playboy Mansion? Why do I feel like I've heard this, but I don't remember what you did? So the Playboy Mansion, and I'm sure it's. I wonder if it's still the case. Oh no, no, because um, uh, the thing is that um, with the Playboy Mansion is now the, the new owners there, so they're probably gone. You know, but the point is. The Playboy Mansion is was when Hef, when Hef lived there. Essentially, it was his house, but also a place that you could rent, almost like a hall, so like people could have parties there. Like so, not only did right. they, 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 they had its own, it had its own, I guess, built-in catering company. So like mm-hmm. a, with a chef and a kitchen, and and so I worked on the catering side of the Playboy Mansion. I would work at all the parties, whether as why. Uh, like a cater waiter or yeah, like a cater waiter. This is when I was like in my twenties, and um, so how I, often did you see Polly Shore? Oh, there were, look, this is what I saw all the time: Polly Shore, Kato Kalin, Seth Ooh. Green. Who was the one that played Bella Lugosi in that movie with Johnny Depp? Martin Landau. Martin Landau, all the fucking time. This Martin, really? Oh my god, yes. Uh, who's the guy that the, the the director Michael Bay? I would see him all the time. Penny Marshall, strange. A lot of weird old timey celebrities like Penny Marshall, Gary Marshall, uh, okay. James Con. Like, because those were the ones who were actually friends with Hef, right? You know. So you see the ones who are friends with Hef, and then there was like a whole like a lot of reality show stars. So like whoever was the big reality show star, they would get invites to the Playboy Mansion. And, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the, the behavior was a big thing there. So like there, you, you saw rarely did you see, you, it was weird. It was a weird mix of like crazy, crazy shit that you saw. And then uh-huh. like, it was just a standard issue cater waiter job. You know, the, the closest I would have to a funny story. I remember one New Year's Eve this is when I used to smoke. I went outside to take a smoke break, you know? Mm-hmm. And they had at the they had hired another company. So these weren't playmates. They had hired this company to have these hot girl. Oh, Bill Maher, you saw all the time too. Bill Maher, 
that doesn't to, surprise me. Yeah, to have these hot girls walk around with like drinks. Okay, this is for New Year's Eve, and um, the hot girls were naked except they had clothes painted on them. Okay, okay. and um. When they, so they were, so I was sitting there smoking, another girl was smoking next to me and she was talking to me, but I was like, like, um, what's that word? Squatting. I was squatting as I smoked. And <laughs> when I turned, she was talking to me and I turned my head, my face and nose were like literally in this girl's vagina. But oh I think God. there was a thing where like, because she had, she had clothes painted on, I think uh-huh. she thought she had clothes on. Okay. Does that make sense? And so she would just yes. talk. She would just sit there and talk to me with like her vagina in my face. And I, after I vomited, um, <laughs> it was really embarrassing. Um, I'm trying to think of. I used to have all these stories. Okay, so when you turned around and saw the vagina, mm-hmm. were you like, "Whoa!" Or yeah, yeah, you... like "Whoa!" Yeah, like that. And then she was, but but internally, I didn't actually do. Okay. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I will say this, here's a couple of interesting things. I would often stare at the grotto because the entrance where you came in and out of for the cater waiter's position was in right by the grotto. Okay. And I would look at the grotto and be like, this is so famous, this fucking grotto. And it's just like a shitty pool. Right. Anytime I've ever seen it on TV, that's kind of what I thought. I'm like, that's. I've been at hotels that have pools like that. It yeah, yeah. Like it's all that impressive. I think it was one of the things in the 70s that was like such an unusual thing. Now I think everyone has it. The other thing too is, so like a lot of the kitchen equipment was in the, like the basic kitchen equipment, like those like, what are those like butane burners and stuff like that? Yeah. Those would be in the basement of the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got to like walk around a big deal of the house because you have to go get this or get that, blah, 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 blah. And it's weird that the how it was it's hard to think that it's so famous right. but it was very much the house of an 80 year old man like okay. when you went in there it felt like an 80 year old man's house like everything was out of date and old and stuffy like it didn't feel cool or like it felt like you were in an 80 year old man's house i don't really know other way to explain it um, it smelled like asper cream and overcooked vegetables. You're saying that, but yeah, <laughs> no, it didn't because they had the, the chef in the kitchen. But like, but like, no, but th- that vibe that you're going with, yeah, it just was dusty and with like old, like weird ass old things that belonged to half around. You know, like it, 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 it was super. That's one thing they've always tried to explain to people. It's like he did like one last big major redecoration in like 1978 or 81 mm-hmm. or something like that. And they never redecorated again. Okay, so it has that feel to it. Like they, it, it was like a relic. So, so lots of velour furniture and very ornate. Um, what that dark wood paneling on the inside? Right. Yeah. Did they ever show it on those um, those TV reality shows about the Playboy Playmates? I'm sh- I I would have never watched something like that, but I'm sure they did. Yeah. So, um, who owns it now? Somebody bought it. I can't remember what it was that they bought it. And so now that Hef's dead, because the condition was you couldn't move in or do anything until Hef died. And so Hef is dead. So, 
Um, so do they still have parties and stuff there, or is it? No, I don't now think so. Just... I think that is a private. Here's the deal: the house wasn't built for parties. Like, so it it really is someone's house. So, mm-hmm. like, when you work there, no one, even guests, weren't allowed to park on site. Um, you had a, and there's no, and the street, the neighborhood had no park. It's a very ritzy neighborhood, mm-hmm. and so you had to like park at a church. Like gosh, a mile away, and there was like a, a bus that would a little bus. It was, well, that was where the employees parked, the cater waiters. Maybe the guests parked somewhere else, mm-hmm. and you would park at this church, and then that that bus would drive you and then drop you off right in the mansion. Okay, but it's weird when I see pictures of the mansion. I'm like, yeah, I've been there many, many times. It's super, super weird to me. It's a weird part of my life. So, um, oh, Javier Mayabe, you know, you know Javi, right? Yeah, he's one of the ones that's that's given the looks. Exactly. Does the looks with you. Yes. I, mean, I have enjoyed the episodes you've been on very, very much. Yeah, so he says in Holly's book, she talks about how shitty and run down uh, it looked and how the TV made it look better than it was. That's true. I will say I could see TV making it look better than it is because of the dark wood paneling and whatnot. I'm sure it looked like rich. Does that make sense? Just mm-hmm. the colors made it look rich. But when you're actually there, it was actually Taylor, I don't know how to explain it. Like like shitty and run down the way like your mothball grandma would have the house. It was super yeah. weird that it was like that. You would think that he would at least go like, Well, I'm old, so I don't know. So people girls do something with it, you know? At least at least keep it like not dusty and I don't know, it was super, super weird. Well, how big was it? How I mean, how many square feet? Uh-huh. Oh, uh huh. Oh, well, I you know I only got to go into. I think about the property or the house. The house. Well, I only so the way the house worked is there was like a big living room area. Well, the, I should say mm-hmm. big. The primary living room area, and then there were stairs that went up. We weren't allowed to go up the stairs, you know. Okay. But we could stay down there and then go into the, into the um basement and get whatever we needed, or and then there was the kitchen. I mean, it, it's. I mean, it's a big house, but I, but I'll say it's still smaller than you think it is. I'm looking it up right now. I'm and, looking up how many square feet is the Playboy Mansion. Oh, really? It's twenty-two thousand square feet, with yeah, thirty but, rooms and nearly twenty-two thousand square feet. But it, here's the it, deal, it, though. Here's the deal. They, they rarely ever show this. So whenever mm-hmm. you see a picture of the Playboy Mansion, is from that front lawn. Yeah. But that front lawn, it it is also imagine almost like a circle. Okay, I'm, I'm going to show you on camera and see if I'm going to explain it. So, um, you know what? I'll just have a paper. Let me draw it. Okay. Oh, keep them entertained. Sir, I have not seen Infinity Wars yet, and I will probably not get to see it until next week. Unless I go really early Sunday morning, which I may do if I'm feeling up to it. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, I'm back. I have paper. Okay. So you have, like, the house, right? I'm just going to put it like that. And then uh-huh. there's the lawn. I'm going to show it to you in a second. Okay. And then the grotto was over here, even though in, in my picture it went into the house, which it didn't in real life. Because the cater waiter, where the station, like, catering was right here. And then this is where, like, pretty much this yard. But anyway, what you don't see... Mm-hmm. Is right here. So I'm showing you on camera. Can you see the whole thing? Yeah. 
Okay, so here's the house. Here's mm-hmm. the yard. This is where the parties would be. And then here's the grotto. Okay. And then I would really primarily work here, but I have to go in the house. This is where the, the kitchen was right here by the grotto. Then okay. there's a lot. And the camera's obviously like right here. But there's a whole complex. I forget what it's called, too, because it's famous. There's a famous part of the Playboy Mansion where all like the fucking and awful things happened, you know? Like, and that's what I forget what it's called. If any of the chat remembers what it's called, that's where that is right here, which is basically. You wouldn't see it on camera. And I think a lot of this 22,000 square feet is in that mm-hmm. complex. Don't get me wrong. The house itself is probably about 10,000 square feet, maybe. Okay. You know? But again, I never went upstairs. So maybe the maybe the, maybe the, the upstairs went further back with the way I drew it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't allowed upstairs. But okay. um, so anyway, Johnny Porter wants to know how you're feeling. I am feeling better and worse all at the same time. Um, thank you for asking, Johnny. Uh, <clears throat> I'm still having these really bad coughing fits. Uh, I started, I went back to work on Thursday. So I worked yesterday and today. Today is Friday. Um, I'm doing half days for a little while and I'm slowly starting to see clients. But I occasionally have moments where suddenly all of my energy gets depleted and I look like I just want to go to sleep. And that happened today with a client. I felt bad. But I said to him, I'm not going to be my usual animated self. So if I look like I'm falling asleep, please don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. And and he also is somebody that deals, he has something called intermittent explosive disorder. And I said, please don't yell at me if I fall asleep. But he was <gasps> just like, that's okay. Oh, so like he, like he gets like rage? Yes, he has rage issues. <gasps> oh my goodness. So, but he he was okay, and he definitely. I, I was he, able to stay awake through the whole session, so that was that was uh, that was a victory as far as I'm concerned. You know what? I'm going to ask you a question. I think actually, if you can't answer, don't answer, and I and I know you wouldn't, right? But I actually think you could answer this question. And I'll even I was going to ask this very specific question, but I'll actually make it even more general. Have you ever had a client, current or former? That you you can remember that you would think, oh, Joe would really like this one. Do you mean looks-wise? Yeah, looks-wise, looks-wise. Oh, yeah, no, I've had a couple that I have thought to myself, I'm so glad Joe isn't here right now. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be like, so, tell me more. I I definitely definitely have cute clients Mm -hmm. that occasionally have very cute clients that – some would refer to as slightly damaged emotionally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that are young mm-hmm. in their early twenties. That's like literally that, Joe's textbook person. I was going to say that's Joe Batant's bread and butter right there. Yeah. So, um, and, and I purposely do not talk with you about those clients at all. No, you shouldn't. No, yeah. I know because you'd be on the first flight to St. Pete. Yeah. I'm like, hello. Take your podcaster to work. And you're like, Joe, you weren't supposed to be in here for two hours. And why are you at my job and out of my house? I'd be like, oh, is this your job? Oh, well, I'll just, I didn't oh, know. I, I had no idea. I yeah. just, I just, I just sort of ended up here and. Yeah. Oh, who's so. this? <laughs> oh, hi, Clayton. Enchante. I'm Taylor's new intern. Yeah. Enchante. I'm going to be occasionally sitting and asking questions and following you home to make sure you follow through with what Taylor tells you you should do to lead a happy life. Who would you rather hook up with? I'm sorry. Who would you rather hook up with? Milo Yiannopoulos or whatever his name oh. is or okay. the Vixen or who the Vixen, the Vixen. Do you find the Vixen attractive? No. 
Is there anybody? But, uh, but I can at least find. Okay, let me rephrase that. Yeah. I can find. I find her more attractive as a woman than a man. I know you think she's cute as a boy. Oh she that crazy 1981 Billy D. Williams relaxer hair that she has. It's off putting when she is doing confessionals. I love it. I think she's so fucking cute. I, I I would probably make out with the vixen. Was it make out or have sex with? Mm, either one. I would probably I would probably mess around with the vixen as the vixen, not as boy vixen. Would now because you're a bottom? Would you... yes, I would let the vixen fuck me if the vixen was a top. Yes. Oh, but as. As, a, a, a As the vixen, I you know. Oh really? I'm, I'm I'm opening myself. Well, literally at that point, I I am opening up considerations. I will go out and tell my husband this, and he will be appalled when I tell him this. Does he hate the vixen? He does not like the vixen either. Interesting. Who does your husband? Who does we never talked about this? Who is your who is Babalu liking? Babalu enjoys the Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm in on Drag Chris Race Pratt. recap. Oh, on Drag Race Recap? No, no, no Drag um, I mean, I'm RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm Drag Race Recap. Drag Race Recap. Well, really, he likes me. He really likes Actually, Taylor. he loves you. Of, of, oh, of all of the co-hosts, he, he's totally all about you. He's oh, a well. huge crush on Drew Batanz. Um, Who doesn't? Does he like? I know he likes Miss Cracker oh, as a performer. I don't mm-hmm. know if he thinks Miss Cracker is cute or not. Hold on a second. I will I will call for him. You talk for a second because I don't need to scream in Look, everybody's ear. here's the deal. You know, I know there's nobody... I'm such a fucking professional that I can just carry the show while Taylor does his thing because he's gonna go get Babalu right now. Maybe Bob, maybe you might even get like a Babalu on the air moment. It might be like a, a form decor first. Has Babalu? I don't I can't even tell if Babalu's been on the show before. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually talk to Babalu himself, Babalu the man, and we're gonna get his thoughts on who he likes on RuPaul's Drag Race. And he, now I'm telling you, Taylor, right now. So let me tell you what you're saying. Taylor is actually talking to Babalu as we speak. Now I can't hear them because he has me on mute. But oh, Babalu is coming into the room, and he, Taylor is handing him the headphones. And we're gonna actually talk to Babalu uh, as he talks to me about who he likes on RuPaul's Drag Race. We're gonna hear it in three, two, one. Hey, Babalu, how's it going? Good, how are you? Did we interrupt your uh, big game of uh, Infinity War Battle Cry Dungeon Time? <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay, it so we had game, we fine. had some very important questions Okay, right, here in the RuPaul's Drag Race recap land. Question number one, <laughs> who are you liking on RuPaul's Drag Race so far? I'm always hearing how your husband, what he thinks, but what are you, who are you liking? Um, <laughs> that's a hard one. I think Miss Cracker. Okay. Oh, bit. Taylor predicted that. Yeah. Or um, Eureka. Oh, you're a big Eureka fan. Not big, but I like the I like how she's coming out. Like she's very, she's very mama drag mm-hmm. to a lot of the younger drag queens. So I like that about her. Okay. Different question here. Who are you definitely not liking? Uh, the vixen. Oh really, Taylor predicted that too. Yeah. Now why aren't why don't you like the vixen? Um, she wants to fight and argue with everybody. Mm-hmm. And you already have like enough with Taylor who fight and argue <laughs> all the time just because. But I, she is changing mm-hmm. in the show. So how did you feel about Blair leaving? Eh, 
<laughs> I didn't care <laughs> that she left. Really? Okay. Did, was there anybody? Did you feel? What did you feel about her admission about the her college experience thing? Um. What well, that was. That was pretty sad. Um, I'm gonna tell you something. I teared up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. That's not something I'm ever in. A, I would never know what that person's feeling in that kind of situation. I just, I felt bad for her. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, have there have there been any episodes that have stood out to you this season that you've really liked? Huh. Or challenges. Or moments, because we we never hear your we never hear your opinion. We never know what Babalu's thinking about. We, all we hear is just Taylor's opinion. <laughs> because Taylor's a star. Yeah. He, um, when, when, whenever he's I'm in sure here, whenever you're, when he's in here, and do you ever hear him like making weird noises? And you're like, what is going on? Yeah, I hear him screaming sometimes, or laughing, or doing. It would, um, in the past, he did that Michelle, Michelle Visage laugh. Oh yeah, the <laughs> yeah, yeah that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, that laugh. Oh, yeah, we used to do that one all the time. Would you just be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. So wait, so there've been no big moments that you can think of from the show that you're like, "I really like this moment." God, no. I. It's hard to. It, I don't know. They, they're they all. I don't know. The season is weird for me. It's a really weird season. Mm-hmm. Now, are you a little celoso that um, your husband is going to come out here to Los Angeles and go to Disneyland? <laughs> I'm a little bit celoso, yes. <laughs> but I mean, it's fine. Whatever. Is he? Is, well, is he going to bring you back any kind of souvenirs? I hope so. And we're also we're going to the to the Disney Studios in Burbank. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that should be fun too. My friend, you know, works over there, and we're gonna go over there and take a tour of the Disney Studios and see what's going on there. Wow. What would be cooler to you, Disneyland or the Disney Studios? The Disney Studios. Oh, really? Why is that? Uh, because that's I don't know Disneyland. I would love to go to Disneyland, but. Everything there we already have in Orlando in some capacity. Yeah. Well, not Matterhorn. Um, I know Taylor's excited to ride the Matterhorn. Yeah, the Matterhorn we don't have. Um, but I don't know. I, the studio seems more exciting to me. Yeah. Oh, well, that's going to happen. Well, Babalu, thank you for being on the show. I see that Taylor is back in the room now. Mm-hmm. And if you if you ever have breaking news or breaking thoughts that you need to tell us about RuPaul's Drag Race or about, uh, or you know what, to be honest with you, tell me funny stories about Taylor that he doesn't want me to know. He can always <laughs> just like okay. call me or hit me up on Facebook. All right. Like, t- I, am, I have to say with this one thing, I am very excited about Snatch Game. Oh, you um, are, yeah. That I'm excited about to see how that turns out. Now, do you now you you know do you already know who's playing who? And no, well, no one knows. We'll find out next no week. Knows, but do you have any right. guesses about who's going to play who? I really don't know. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> you try and stay away from the no rumor, idea. speculation, sport, and, and theories, and tea. You like to be surprised when you watch it, right? I, I like to be very surprised when I watch. I it. wish I could be surprised. I'm no longer surprised. I'm now dead. The, the show is dead to me. Like I'm just, I'm just dead. Hasn't I'm just, there been a lot of cringe moments when they act? 
when they when, when you I, said when you asked for my favorite episode, yeah. I couldn't find a favorite episode because there was a lot more cringy moments. What are some of the cringy when they moments do funny, you're thinking of? Funny scenes. What are some cringy ones? Like for example, the last episode where yeah. um uh Aquaria mm-hmm. and Aquaria. Uh, All right. The, the makeup one. Are you no, about, it are was Miss Cracker. Yeah. Miss Cracker and Blair. And that was a, when they just tank. You, they tank hard in this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. And so that was cringy for you. But was that the yeah. cringiest moment of the season? The cringiest moment in the season. I think that one so far. Oh, the last really? one. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, look, we always appreciate it. I'm glad Taylor threw you on. Everyone loves to hear what uh, the spouses and significant others of our hosts think. I date no one. I'm a lonely man, so they, ne- <laughs> they never get to hear what my uh, significant other spouses think. But um, but thank you for being on the show, Babalu. And um, I'll put Taylor on the word. And then we're gonna, you're going to have him, like, in, in five minutes, you're going to have him back in your world. When, okay. when you're playing video games, what does he do? He sleeps. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you're, you're going to have him sleeping pretty soon. All right. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. So, anyway, so that was Babalu. Okay. Ow. And, um, no. Uh, <laughs> that was Babalu. And, uh, now we're back here in, uh, we're waiting for Tate of the Latte Boy to come back and join us on the show. And join us in all his glory. Just so we can wrap up the form decor. This be, it was just a, a regular form decor episode. He felt assaulted. I felt like he was, he felt assaulted. Who did? Babalu. He just said, I feel assaulted? No, I know. I know, no, no. I no. feel like I assaulted. I, I, they were very normal questions, but it was just like, it sort of felt like I didn't do anything. What, what, probably the way that the, the, the Golden State killer felt when they confronted him. <laughs> He's like, I'm fine. Mm. You know, so do you have any homework to do before you have to work on Monday? Like, like all this paperwork and whatnot? No, no, I'm very fortunate. I have a job that I don't. It's rare. I would have to go in on the weekends or do paperwork or do anything from home. Mm-hmm. They're really good about setting boundaries and that you don't do anything outside of the office. Oh, really? Yeah, because well, well, it'd be them. easy to get sucked into that, yeah. especially when you consider a lot of the people that I work with are people that if I wasn't seeing them as a therapist, I mean, I definitely have ones that have some pretty significant issues, but I have other ones that are that I would totally be friends with in real life and want to do and do things, you know, so they're very clear to say you don't, you know, to keep that professional relationship, you don't merge anything in life or you know, anything like that. And they also want us to be well rested so we can care for them when we're actually caring for them. So you don't bring home paperwork, you don't do anything like that. On this side, the hospice side, I was doing paperwork constantly on the nights and on weekends. And I hated it, which is why I went over to the uh, aid service organization when a position opened up there. Uh, the very first therapist I ever had was a woman who was about my age. And she was really cool and cute. And we really hit it off, and we really got along. And then she left, you know, with Kaiser Permanente, which I don't know what those things are called. So she left that group. Mm-hmm. I think she had a baby. She was, I think she just stopped being a therapist. And she had told me in other previous conversations that they had a rule that you couldn't be friends with a client until like two years after they stopped seeing you. Right. 
So I know it's, it's different in each state. I think it's a year or two years in Florida. Mm-hmm. So I remember it had been two years. So I emailed her like, hey, let's be friends. And she was like, actually, I'm never friends with my clients. Sorry. Well. And I was like sad. But it really. Okay. When I started out out of, out of college, mm-hmm. my first job was for the same company I work for now. Mm-hmm. And I was in a position called adolescent case manager. And we had a grant that was specifically for HIV positive people from the age of 12. Mm-hmm. It went as high as 26, I think, mm-hmm. that we could see people. And I was 23. And a lot, the majority of my caseload was gay guys in their 20, in their mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So I was still young and I was single and everything. And I would go out to bars and clubs and I would run into clients. And clients would want to come over and talk to me and would want to buy me drinks and stuff like that. And I was I always had to be very careful as much as it was fun to see people out. And I always, I never went up to anybody. I always let them come up to me, you know, that I didn't accept drinks and I didn't, you know, where they would like want to hang out and all that kind of stuff. I would like make small talk for a couple of minutes, but then I would go away. I've only really kind of befriended one. uh, Let me take that back Two families in all of my time in hospice care where we're Facebook friends. Mm -hmm. Um, One was, I worked with a woman for she was a patient of ours for probably like two years. Mm-hmm. She she just kind of had a very very slow decline, and I, to I, it, it would I loved this woman. I had totally had a not an unprofessional relationship with her, but it mm-hmm. was definitely something where I kind of would bend the rules for her more than I would for other people. Mm-hmm. And she was just this little old lady that I just there was definitely transference and cross transfer, and she looked like my she looked like my grandmother who I had lost a couple of months before and. She was just this amazing woman, and I got to be very good. For, I got to be very friendly with her family when they would come in to visit her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she, after she died, I, I stayed in contact with the family. And then at some point, one of the family, the the daughter, found me on Facebook and friended me, and I added her. Um, I had another similar situation with an older woman where she lived with her daughter who was my age and her three kids. And I befriended the daughter that was my age. Um, and still kind of keep in touch with her. Would it be unethical for you to tell them that you can talk to their ghosts? Yes, that would be very unethical and probably cruel. (laughs) Are you afraid of ghosts? I think I saw a ghost in the hospital. I really think that I, at one point, it might've been the dilaudid. I'm not sure because I definitely was hallucinating or not, but I was always hallucinating people that I knew. Like I was having conversations with Babalu and I was having conversations with Taffy, my co-host on my other show. And like, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was having conversations that you would have where like, could you please pass me that, you know. Did you have conversations with me? I think I did have a conversation with you at one point and that then was, was I would blink and I would, I was probably explaining to you why I couldn't be on that night show um, and from my hospital bed, but then I would blink and the person would be gone. Did and you ever have only- images of Evan putting a pillow over your head? <laughs> well, I thought it was until I found fibers from the pillowcase under my fingernails mm-hmm. at one point, And then I realized, God, maybe that wasn't a dream. Um, and also watched him where he kind of kinked one of the hoses, my, mm-hmm. my hose for, you know, my pain reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, at one point, 
I saw all these people that I knew, but at one point I was sitting up in my bed and a woman walked in, a, a woman kind of built sort of like Eureka. Okay. And she had curly hair and she was sort of wearing a dress from the fifties, like that style of where it kind of jet out. Mm-hmm. And the dress was black with yellow polka dots mm-hmm. and she had on a white belt. And then she had on kind of a white, uh, I forget what it's called. Oh shit. That like, like a under, like, you know, the, 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 the dress came to a V, but then there was definitely a white thing underneath mm-hmm. and she had on white um, gloves that came to the wrist and were sort of lacy around the ends of it. Yeah. And she just sort of walked in and she stood at the edge of my bed and I said, hello. And she just sort of nodded her head and I said, how are you? And she mm-hmm. kind of nodded her head again. And she was just sort of looking at me and I said, can I help you? And then I blinked and she was gone. That was the only one that it was somebody that I have no idea who that was, but everybody else that I hallucinated was there now i also know that the first right after the surgery i apparently said some really crazy shit to babaloo and like yelling at him to put the cat on the mantle or something and why isn't the cat on the mantle like weird shit like that mm-hmm. but the that was it and then when i was in the hospital two years ago in the icu i remember <clears throat> a situation in which it was two elderly people that were standing at the foot of the bed and they were holding neatly folded baby clothes. Yeah. And they walked over to another person and they handed the person the baby clothes. Mm-hmm. And then the other person walked away and the two old people seemed really, really sad. Mm-hmm. And I told Taffy about it the next afternoon and Taffy was out of the room about 15 seconds later because she was convinced that I saw like, you know, something happening along with the death of a baby or something like that. So, and I, it's an old hospital. It's, uh, I went to St. Anthony's hospital in St. Petersburg. So Taffy and Taffy still, I forgot about that. And Taffy still occasionally brings that up. And I was not high then, but I, I saw that at some point in the middle of the ICU. To sum up. So so to sum up, you don't believe in ghosts. (laughs) No, I, I, I totally believe in ghosts. Mm -hmm. I believe in something. I think that there is, Something I did hospice for 15 years and I've heard too many stories about what people see in the dying process or what people see after someone died to not think there isn't something out there. I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something that energy that is in your body has to go someplace. One of the best articles I've ever read. and I I should go and find it. I remember it was in the L.A. Times. But it was a story about how often people who are terminally ill and who are dying, and when they're close to death, will start talking about traveling, yes, or 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 like or they'll have hallucinations regarding traveling, like or be anxious, like I got to pack my bags, I'm going somewhere, or where I'm the going tickets. home. I yeah. this isn't my home. I'm ready to go home. Why? I'm, and it's the house they've lived in for fifty years. Yeah, I used to hear that. All the time, and like one on one, not not not. So you're not, you're not from hearing stories about it. You actually witness the patients do both, that. both. Really? And I would have families that would be. We don't understand why are they saying they they have to go home. And I would say because this isn't home. Mm-hmm. They're going someplace else. They're getting ready to go someplace else. Okay. I had, uh, I've stood in a room where people. I remember standing in a room one time where a woman's eyes got very big mm-hmm. and she was looking at the door mm-hmm. and I said, what's going on? And she said, Jesus is standing there. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. 
I said, you know, because then my first response is always, and how do we feel about seeing Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, because if they're anxious, then I try to tell them, oh, you're not, you know, that you're not seeing that. It's just da 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 da. And she said, Jesus is saying he wants me to go. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you're ready to go, and she said, tell him I'm not ready to go. I tell, tell you have to tell him I'm not ready to go. I want you. And I said, okay. So I looked over and said, Jesus, she's not ready to go. And she mm-hmm. said, he walked away. And I said, okay. Now she died like a day later, but she <gasps> she died was a day a, later. Uh huh. That is so crazy. Like that. That's like I've been actually waiting for that kind of. You, you know what's too? Have you have you ever dealt with like child? When you don't deal with child, you don't deal in child psychology. But when like I was a, I was a kids counselor for those fifteen years. I worked with families where there was a child in the home or a child was affected by a death. No, but what I'm talking about though is um. When, um, oh, hold on. This is, I need to play this. Okay. Um, I'm talking about when, like, the kid, when the little children say, like, who's that person standing next to you? And you're like, there's no one standing next to me. They're like, yes, there is. No, I never had that. So, any other, like, weird spooky stories? Not spooky, and I kind of take offense to this music being played under while I'm talking about 15 years in hospice care. I loved my, my job. I loved... I, the first time I saw somebody die, I did freak out. Oh, you've seen someone die tonight? I've seen... In, in 15 years, I saw two people take their last breaths. <gasps> and... Okay. You want me to tell that story? Yeah. Well, I okay. Gotta, I, I can turn this music off, though. Yeah, please turn this music off because it's really not. Well, I didn't know you were talking about actually people dying. No, that was I worked in a hospice care, girl. It was all about death and dying. It, I just Pretty thought you go I spent hospice. fifteen years going. That feeling is totally normal. That, and I don't mean to minimize it, but mm-hmm. a lot of times you kind of heard the same thing, and people would go through similar situations. Okay, so I had a guy. This is going back. God, this is going back probably twelve years ago or so. Mm-hmm. I had seen dead bodies before at this point. The first time I saw a dead body, I did freak out. But I got very used to it. And one thing I would always do is the first thing I would always do when I would walk into a house after a person died is I would walk over and I would actually put my hand on them, put the hand on the body. Oh, you would? Yes. Because what I was doing was I was showing the family that it's still okay to touch them and that you're not hurting them and that it's not you're not doing anything like that. Is it immediately cold? No, no, they weren't always immediately cold. But and normally I, when I would get the phone call saying a person died, I would be there within 20 minutes. So, the, okay, but that's, you know. Um, so we had a guy who was relatively young. He was probably about my age. So this is, he was probably in his, I think he was like 35 and I was probably about 32. So this is going back like 13 years ago. And he had, uh, he had cancer. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. And the family, I got a call from the office saying, Mr. So-and-so is imminent. The family is requesting you're there because there were kids in the home. So they wanted to make sure that the kids were okay and all that kind of stuff. So I went and the guy was still, his family was all around him. And he was still breathing, but it was very labored breathing and that kind of stuff. And he had a girlfriend that was there as well. And her kids were there. 
So it was me and the nurse. And I think our chaplain was there at one point and kind of provided a prayer, all that sort of stuff. A person dressed as Charlie Chaplin with a little mustache and like the little cane. Yeah. And he swung the cane around. And then at one point he kind of at the edge of the bed, he took two little, two little Dorothy Parker rolls on a forks and kind of made them dance and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. totally. That's actually kind of good way to die. Actually. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. So, I remember I was standing. Okay, let me let me back up to training. Okay, we had to go through what we they called initial hospice training, and I remember I said um, one of the things because I was still working for the AIDS organization where we were all about keeping people as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. So we had to go through this training where they were talking all about death and dying, and one of the things they talked about was that the um, it, it is an honor to what they call attend a death. And all of us were sort of looking at each other like, why the fuck would you want to attend a death? It just mm-hmm. seemed like it didn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. So we so, – so, you know, Q, like years later, I have moved into the hospice arena. I've been there a couple of years. I've attended deaths, but it's always been like just sort of part of my job. So I'm sitting in the living room with the nurse, and we're filling out paperwork and all that sort of stuff. And the, we hear the girlfriend scream. Mm. So the nurse and I run into the room, and the family – so, which was his parents, his girlfriend, I want to say there were brothers and a sister, and some of the kids were all sitting around the edges of the bed. And I was standing at the foot of the bed watching this guy, and somebody said, he's, he's, he's getting ready to go. You know, this is it. This is it sort oh, of Oh, they're saying this in front of him? Is he getting scared? They were saying this in front of him. But he's also, at this point, he's non-responsive. He's just kind of, he's looking up and that kind of stuff. And he is where the family at this point is all saying, it's okay, we'll be okay, just let go. And it felt very much almost like if you were watching a birth, but in reverse, where the family was all saying they would be okay. And just rather than for, you know, instead of pushing, they were just saying, let go, just let go. So the thing is, at this point, I was very much into my food addiction Mm -hmm. at this point. And I remember thinking... There's a McDonald's down the street. I have $2 in my wallet. Double cheeseburgers are 99 cents. I'm sure I could find some change because I was just like, I was freaking out watching this, but I was doing this in my head where I'm just thinking, all I want to do is I just want to like eat my weight in double cheeseburgers. Wait, so, wait, wait, wait. I, I have to tell you something. I'm sorry. I, this is the finish the story. Then remind me, I have breaking news for you. Okay. So at this point, the guy takes his last breath. Oh my goodness. And the family says, that's it. He's gone. And the mother looks up and she goes, I can see him leaving. I can see his spirit floating away. The family's all crying. We're just kind of standing there, you know, quietly watching. And then at one point we say, we want to give you guys as much time as possible with him. We're going to go sit out in the living room when you're ready for us to, you know, to start to prepare him. For the funeral home, mm-hmm. let us know and we'll come in and, and do what we need to do. So at that point, that usually involved like, you know, washing the body and changing clothes if, if they wanted them to go in a particular thing. That was more the nurse did that. I would occasionally have to help as far as like lifting the body and stuff, um, which the part is at certain at a certain point, because the blood isn't pumping anymore, backs like the back of the person is laying flat on their back. 
the back and the backs of the legs and the backs of the arms get very hot and sweaty Mm -hmm. because all of that warm blood kind of pulls at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And that was always kind of the part that I really didn't like. Like I would help and I would have on gloves, obviously, but you could find kind of feel the warm clamminess on the backs and the backs of the legs. Okay. I love how we've lost listeners as I've been talking about this. So I apologize for anybody that this is freaking them out or that kind of stuff. But anyway, getting back to the whole, if it's a privilege, I didn't get that until that moment, until I realized I was watching something that was like watching a birth and that it felt like it was a privilege to be a part of this. I mean, when I would attend deaths, I mean, people were at their most raw emotionally and a lot of those facades they would put up when the social worker or the nurse would come in would just kind of collapse once that person died oh really i loved my job i really really loved my job at hospice and if it wasn't for the crazy increase in paperwork and expectations for visits and that kind of stuff i would probably still do it well uh what does oh news over on reddit this week i learned a very help uh, helpful tip taylor you mentioned double cheeseburgers at mcdonald's let me tell you guys something okay i read on reddit earlier this week though the thread was called like people who were chefs who work in fast food or i don't know something like that right mm-hmm. what are some inside tips that we should know and one of them was from a guy who worked at mcdonald's right okay and what he said was if you if you if you do you like Big Macs, Taylor? No, excuse me, no, I don't. Oh, you don't. Well, for all you don't like, how do you? The Big Mac to me is like my favorite burger of all time. I'm a I'm just a double cheeseburger girl. That's my favorite, anyway, and chicken well, nuggets. Well, here's the deal. So this is what the person said. As long as you don't mind missing that middle bread, mm-hmm. okay, you can for free order a double cheeseburger, swap out the ketchup for the Big Mac sauce. And add chopped lettuce, again, for free. Same price as double cheeseburger, and you essentially have a Big Mac, except missing the middle bread piece. And it's like $2 cheaper. Okay. So 2 or $3 cheaper. So uh, inside tip from a McDonald's person. Anyway, I did it the other day, and it was fantastic. And they didn't give you grief about it? No. In fact, someone asked that. Someone said, like, oh, when you're working there, you're annoyed. And they said, someone else chimed in and said, actually, I used to work at McDonald's. And orders like that were actually fun because it broke the monotony. Okay. Like the ones that were like, I want my bread lightly toasted, those were annoying. But something where you mm-hmm. just added different ingredients that they already have and on hand that they can just – and it, it was fun because it broke up the monotony of what they usually do. I was told that you should always ask for something because then that's guaranteed that it's fresh. Oh, well, it's with the French fries. So you say no salt. So they have to, they have to remake – you have to make you a fresh batch of fries and then you ask for salt on the side. I have to say French fries, whether they're fresh or greasy McDonald's, still my favorite, no matter what. it's, it's a, French fries are kind of like pizza. Even when they're bad, they're still pretty good. Like I, I used to be, when I was a kid, I was a huge cold McDonald's French fry fan. Oh, I'm a cold, I'm a huge cold, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll introduce you to this when you're out here, Del Taco Curly Fry fan. They have these, like these, not curly, but not curly, like um, crinkle cut fries. And like, oh, I'm cr- not a crinkle cut fan. <laughs> okay, but I will try them if you want me no, to try no, them. You, don't, you can have whatever you want. Like, you can have what you're going to eat. So much fucking food, all this weight you lost when you were sick. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have to take out another 
uh, gallbladder. We're gonna, they're gonna have to. We're gonna have to buy one seat to Los Angeles, but then two seats for me on the way back. Yeah, but here's my question now: Are you gonna be able to eat any of this food? I will have to be very careful as far as fried stuff. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. If I if I eat small portions of it, I just need. I, I will need you to make sure that I can get to bathrooms quickly. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Form the Core. Thank you, everyone in the chat room, for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, this yeah, was, it was fun tonight. We'll see you next week, guys. We're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Yeah, thank you, guys.